even though it might seem like it, I promise you that uh, myself, Kenneth Shields, and Britt McCarter did not get together and conspire to deliver a similar topic. Uh, recently, Kenneth spoke on humility. Britt spoke on uh, poison of uh, bitterness. Touched on some of these highlights here, and uh, all I can say is great minds think alike. Anyway, here we go. Uh, I grew up in Contra Costa, California, uh, Contra Costa County in California. And during the years of 1970 to 1974, I was in high school. And there were 600,000 people in that county. My graduating class had 232 seniors. The only reason I mention this is to illustrate how large the schools were. Well, having a large school population meant that a lot of students went out for sporting events. I was one of them. I was a track star. It doesn't look like it now, but I was. I was a track star. Pole vaulting was my event, and I was good at it. We have a, a laser on this thing? Green dot. Well, the laser's not working, or maybe I'm off. Okay, that works. That spot right about there, I measured that, and uh, that's how high I could go consistently. And um, out of all the large schools in our league, I was the third best pole vaulter. And um, I was wrong. Nothing wrong with me being satisfied with personal accomplishment, no. But in the way I treated it as being third best, I was wrong. Uh, we would show up to a track meet or they would come to us and uh, I would meet my competition and I would ask them what their personal best was and they would tell me and I would, basically I would uh, crush their hopes and dreams by just coming out and saying, I'm gonna beat you today. And so why was I wrong? because I allowed my pride in my abilities to make me arrogant, conceited, boastful, if you will. So instead of calling my topic the, infla the inflated ego of a teenage pole vaulter, I decided on the topic of pride and humility. So now we have a topic. Where do we start? Well, let's start at um, Luke 18, verse 10 through 14. And we've all heard this story, but it, there it reads, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. Here we have a man that is just standing up publicly in front of everybody, and he's uh, making it known. He's not even praying to God. It says he's praying with himself. But he's basically saying, look at me. Here I am. I'll, this is, I do these things. 
And uh, we continue, and it says that, uh, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to, down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And nothing I say today is meant to imply that uh, uh, pride is wrong. Everybody here, every parent has pride. There, it's just part of life. Parents are going to be proud when their children learn to walk or, or start talking or do well in school or maybe raise a prize-winning animal. Nothing wrong with that. Personal uh, pride in, in these things, that's, that's okay. Uh, my wife and I just finished a, a rather large project, and if you was to ask either one of us, we would both tell you, yeah, we did a good job. Again, nothing wrong with that. The type of pride that is wrong that we are concerned with this morning, well, that's the pride that leads to arrogance, boastfulness, conceit, contempt, egotism, self-centeredness, or self-importance. James chapter 4 and verse 10, we read, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. When we're talking about um, arrogance and conceit, self-centeredness, self-importance, pretty good example in the Old Testament. In uh, 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 14, uh, and it's kind of a long read, so I'll just kind of give you the highlights and then we'll get into it. Uh, in that chapter, the, it tells of a, a man named... Um, Naaman, and uh, it says that he was a, a captain of the soldiers for the Syrian army, and he was a great man, an important man, a mighty man of valor is the way it's written, but he also had leprosy. Naaman's wife had a servant girl, uh, uh, says she was a, a young girl, I believe, and um, the servant girl told the wife well, down there in Samaria, we have a prophet that can cure him of his leprosy. The wife told Naaman, Naaman went and talked to his king. And the king said, um, well, hey, if that guy can do it, why don't you just go on down there and get it done? And so uh, he took a pile of money and a, a bunch of changes of clothes, and off he goes. He's got a letter with, uh, uh, the, from his king. He's got a letter from the king of Syria, and he goes to the king of Israel and he hands him this letter, and basically the letter says, here is my servant, cure him of his leprosy. Well, the king of Israel, he reads this, and he says, what, is that guy trying to pick a fight with me, or, or what? You know, am I God? I can't cure leprosy. And it makes him mad, and he tears his clothes. Well, the prophet Elisha hears about all this going on, and he said, you just send him over here to me, and we'll show him. There's a prophet in Israel. And so now we can read. Uh, and so Naaman, he goes on to, over to Elijah's place. He pulls up there in his chariot, and he's got all his men with him and everything. And he's standing out front, and 
then we can read uh, the, starting in verse 10. We read, And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters in Israel? Man, not washing them and be clean? And so he went away. So he turned away and he went, turned away, turned and went away in a rage. I'll get right. And the servants came near and said, spake unto him and said, My father, if, he, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. And then uh, he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a child a little child, and he was clean. Arrogant? Yes, he was. He thought himself to be so important that it made him angry when Elisha just sent a messenger out instead of coming out and making a big show of the cure. And then he says, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my own way. Those uh, those waters are dirty down there in the Jordan. He says, I'd rather go back and wash in the clean rivers of uh, Damascus. Well, the servant said, uh, just swallow your pride and go do what he said. And so uh, he became humble enough to do what the prophet told him. And he was cured. And he learned that it wasn't all about him. It was better to humble himself before God. Uh, when I started researching this, I didn't think I'd have enough material. I don't like to leave a story hanging. It, read that chapter and, and get the rest of that story because there's another lesson in there somewhere. But uh, after he was cured, Naaman goes back to Elisha and he says, let me pay you for curing me. And Elisha says, no, I don't need your money. You know, go on. And, and so Naaman did. Well, one of Elisha's servants heard all of this and he says, Hmm, I could use that money, or, you know. So he goes running after the name, and then he says, hey, we got some guys coming back from the hills. They could probably use that money. Well, name, and says, yeah, go ahead, take it. So he did, and he went back home, and he hid it in his house somewhere. And then Elisha says to him, uh, where were you? And he says, well, I, I wasn't nowhere. I was here, you know. I, I didn't go nowhere. And Elisha says, I was with you in spirit, and uh, I know what you did. And then he tells him, uh, because you did what you did, the leprosy that uh, Naaman was cured from, you now suffer and your descendants. Like I said, there's probably a lesson in greed in there somewhere, but that just finishes up the story. Um, there's a lot of verses on this topic. And uh, Proverbs has several. In the 22nd, uh, 27th chapter of Proverbs, in verse 2, we can read, uh, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, 
and not thine own lips. Another one in Proverbs that uh, I found that I like is uh, the 16th chapter, verse 18 and 19, where we read, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Remember my list, uh, arrogance, boastfulness, conceit, contempt, egotism, self-centeredness, self-importance. I can honestly say that I'm guilty of every one of those. But you know something about all them words? Every one of them almost will always be used in connection with the word I or me. I am superior. No one does it better than me. I don't need anyone's help. See what I mean? So what does the scripture tell us? In Matthew 18, 1 through 4, there it says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. While we're in Matthew, there's another one we can look at, and it sounds familiar. It sounds like that other one, but it, it reads in the 20, uh, 23rd chapter, verse 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And uh, you talk about humility. Well, there was probably no one more, hum- more humble than Christ, and we have an example of his humility Sorry for the small print, but uh, in, uh, and we don't have to start at verse 1. We can start at verse 3. Uh, there in Philippians uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, we read, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, and by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I should have mentioned that's an ESV version, Uh, so if it didn't sound completely like you're familiar with, that's probably the reason why, but um, and, and another thing that happens when you humble yourself is you receive more grace. 
James, the fourth chapter and verse six, it reads, uh, but he giveth more grace, wherefore, th- wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. It didn't happen often back in the, my high school years when I encountered the other two people that were able to go higher than I was. But when I did meet them, I would feel disappointed, uh, let down, if you will. Or, but maybe, maybe before a track meet, I should have taught myself to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 before each track meet. Uh, it reads there, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. I have one more scripture, and it's a short one. In the words of Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 5, we read simply, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, there you have it. In closing, I, I plead with you not to uh, fall victim to the prideful trap of thinking you can do it all by yourself, uh, that you don't need anybody's help. You cannot save yourself. You cannot do it on your own. You have to humble yourself before God, follow his commandments, and be baptized into Christianity. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.